Well, hey everyone, I'm Pastor Judd Wilhite, and I wanna thank you for joining us today. You know, Central's a place where it's okay to not be okay. And we are so glad that you're here. I hope you enjoy this message. Got a little Tetris bar going on over there, don't we? Anyway, nice to see you guys. Glad you're here. Hope you're doing well. We had a great week at uh, the Wilhite household this last week. Uh, my son, Ethan, 19 years old, almost 20 now, graduated from online high school. Come on, somebody. It was a little sketchy there for a little while, so I'm just glad he made it. He did a great job, and uh, we're celebrating and thankful. And so to kind of get ready for that, Lori had me several weeks ago. She goes, you got to call the school. you got to tell them, like, um, you gotta, you got to settle up whatever the bill is, and then you got to pay for his diploma. They'll send, they'll send his diploma in the mail. It's online. So I called the, the school. I called the finance department. I couldn't figure out how to do it online, which was frustrating. So I called the number, which nobody wants to do that, right? I have to talk to a person. And, you know, I get to the finance office, and a recording answers the phone. You know, thank you for your call. It's important to us. We appreciate your patience. And they go into all these announcements. And it just keeps playing, keeps playing. So I put the phone on speaker like you do. I just set it down. I go about, you know, kind of my normal things. And uh, eventually, like, I'm, I get to a place where it's been about 30 minutes that I've been kind of on hold, cycling through. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to keep it together, right? I'm trying to be calm. And then it goes another, like, uh, 15 minutes. And so 45 minutes in, I don't know, my inner pastor just died. He just like literally just killed over and died. And um, I start yelling at the phone. You know, they're like, you know, your call is important to me. And I'm like, obviously it's not. Somebody pick up the phone. Please. You're killing me. I'm trying to give you money. These are the things I'm yelling at my phone. My wife's just listening. She does this. Just kind of watching me melt down. One hour and four minutes in, I grabbed the phone, and I, you remember how back in the day you could push zero, like four, five, six times, and get to a person? You know, like, I'm like, ah! I mean, I just go nuts, berserko on them. Man, those systems are ready for anything now, like, no change. Thank you for your call. We appreciate your patience. Anyway, um, finally, it was... Uh, I hung up, I got so angry, I hung up, and my wife just looks at me and she's like, you, you hung up? Like, and I know she's thinking like, now I'm gonna have to call, because we have to get this done, I'm gonna have to be the one on the phone, and I'm gonna have to wait forever in order to get, uh, to get uh, you know, all this taken care of. She goes, you know, Jed, like, maybe they're understaffed because it's, it's kind of right before the school year starts, people are still on vacation. Uh, you know, it's not the people's fault who are answering the phone. Maybe they're just under a lot of pressure. They're trying to do good work, but like, like you know, have a little compassion, right? And I'm just like, mm. So anyway, <laughs> she leaves to go do um, an errand, and I, I'm, I'm left like thinking about all of this. Don't you hate it when your spouse is right? I mean, seriously? <laughs> so anyway, like I finally realized, okay, she's probably right. So, so I said, I'm gonna call them back because I don't want her to have to do this because she pretty much did everything with Ethan's school. So <laughs> I can at least do this. So I'm gonna call them back and I actually said a prayer before I dialed the number. I'm like, Jesus, help me, help me. I dialed the number, put it on speakerphone. I don't know, 30, 45 minutes, this lady answers the phone and you could tell 
she has had a day. Like she's like, you know, you could tell when she comes on the phone, she's been talking to angry people. She's ready for anything. She's ready for me to unload on her. And I'm like, how are you doing? She goes, oh, well, I just, you know, stepped away for one second. I just came back. I have 26 calls in the queue. She goes, it's just, it's just crazy. And I found myself in the midst of this call, no lie. I was like, by the end of it, I'm like, you're doing a good job. Keep going. You know, like, you're making a difference in people's lives. My son is one of them. Like, he was impacted. Like, you guys really are helping. And so, you know, like, I'm encouraged. Pastor Judd is back on the scene. He rose up from the dead. Came back, right? I'm encouraging her, all this. And then I paid my bill, which was, by the way, was 25 bucks. I would have sent 100 bucks to not have to make that call and wait on the phone. You know what I mean? 25 bucks, all that for 25. Anyway, so we celebrated Ethan's graduation. But when I think about that phone call, like the first, the first attempt at that phone call kind of went down like what we might describe as the way of the world. Anger, frustration, stress, feeling like nobody's got my back, nobody's helping me out, nobody's taking care of what I need to get taken care of, like everybody's wasting my time, people are in my way, people need to move, get it together, be more efficient, because I have needs. And my need right now is to get this done so I can get on to the next thing. And you notice there's a word that keeps coming up in the way of the world. It's me, mine, I. Lori bumped me over, back over into the way of love. The way of love remembers like, you know what? God, God is sovereign. God's in charge. God's got my back. In the scope of all things, this is so incredibly small, right? inconsequential, not even worth getting upset about. This is something that ultimately is gonna get taken care of, and as I lean into God's love, maybe actually his love will overflow out of my life and I can show grace and kindness to somebody else and actually help them in their life. And so I wanna talk today about how we can move from the way of the world, if you will, to the way of love. Because I think we're often caught between both of those tensions in our lives. Now, we've been in this series called The Way. Jesus' early followers in the book of Acts are known as the people of the way, uh, six different times, uh, the people of the way. Jesus said he's uh, the way, the truth, and the life. And so we've been talking about what it means to follow the way. Week one, we talked about how um, literally Jesus says, this is the way to eternal life. So long before the Mandalorian, this is the way. Jesus says this is the way to eternal life, to know God and his son, Jesus, whom he sent. So we unpack that, the way of life. And then a few weeks ago, we looked at the way of uh, worship and the power of being a community of faith that glorifies God and leans into his word, seeks to keep his word in our hearts, the way of worship. Last week, we talked about the way of unity, how Jesus prayed that we would be a people who would come together and be unified. Today, I wanna go back to Jesus' final prayer in John 17 and talk about the way of love. Now, John chapter 17 is where we've been hanging out the last few weeks, and this is the longest recorded prayer of Jesus, and it's literally one of his sort of final extended moments before his arrest, his crucifixion, and his resurrection. So it's very important, like, like you know, if people call the Lord's Prayer, 
you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. But that's sort of a model prayer he gave to his disciples. If you really want to know the Lord's actual prayer, you go to John 17, because that's where he actually prayed, you know, and cried out to God and prayed for us and prayed for who he hoped his people would become that he was ultimately empowering to carry on as the church community. And so John chapter 17, I'll read it. When we get to the red word, say it real loud here with me. It's just how we keep everybody awake. Here's what he says. Jesus praying, the last of his prayer, the last two couple sentences. He says, oh, righteous father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your, what? Love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. Now here's what strikes me at the end of Jesus' prayer. As he's concluding all the things that he's praying for, notice it's about God's love. Your love will be in me, and I will be in them. And in other words, your love will fill their lives. It is about the way of love. And you see it in Jesus' final discourse leading up to this prayer. Love is the way. And we love from God's love. So how do we become the people and become a church that is literally a church Jesus prayed we would become? First, we gotta remain in God's love. We gotta remain in God's love. Now, I don't know what you were doing last weekend, but most of us last weekend were preparing for the apocalypse. Uh, Hurricane Hillary was coming, and it was the end of the world, man. We were all going to die, and we were getting sandbags, and don't leave your house for, you know, 72 hours or whatever. Like, you know, it was the whole thing, right? Except these things are really hard to predict. I, I was actually in part of Hurricane Ian in Florida, I don't know, whenever that was, a couple years ago, a year and a half ago, and that was like a Category 4 hurricane, and when that thing hit the western part of Florida, we were on the eastern part, so we were just in the outer bands, and I've rarely been that scared in my life. It's insane, right? Like, so these things are serious, I'm not saying that, but you never know what they're gonna do. It's hard to predict. Sometimes they go one way, sometimes they go another. It's challenging for everybody, but I couldn't resist a meme. We've all seen these. But, you know, just let me have my moment. Here we are. We'll bring it up. 2023 Hurricane Hillary. We will rebuild. It did feel like that, didn't it? In the end, you're like, yeah, that's about it, you know, so. So Sunday afternoon, when we're prepping for the big storm, I had the back door cracks. We have a slider. It's cracked open. And I have our little dogs. That's how she can go out and go to the bathroom, right? Our little Stella. Now, she's a diva. Any of you have pets that are like diva, diva pets? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? I've never had a diva before. Like, our dog Roxy was just a big goober, you know? Like, she wasn't a diva. Like, like now I've got a diva. She looks out at that rain. It's not even raining or spitting or whatever it actually did. It's just wet on the ground. Nothing's really happening. She looks out at that, and she's like, hmm, nope. Turns around, I, I watch this happen, and I'm like, girl, just go out. You, I could like throw her out, boom, right back in. Like she's like, nope, not doing that. That's, that is below me. I do not go out in the wet. She's a narcissist, I'm convinced. I love this dog. Any of you have a, I love her, man, but she cannot see past herself. You know what I mean? Like, I got me a narcissist dog that I love. She's, she's like, I'm not going out in the wet. So she's too diva to go outside. But then what's interesting is a few minutes later, I hear that she's walked around the couch into the back cubby of the house and she's pottied on the floor. And the way I know this is I hear her licking at it. 
That's right. My diva dog. Too diva to go outside and go potty, but not so diva to lick up her own mess when she drops it in the house. Now, I still love her. I picked her up three minutes later, and I'm like, watch that tongue. Don't be bringing the, you know, maybe you keep that to yourself for a little while. But I got her in my lap, and I'm like, I love you. It's my dog. I love my little diva dog, narcissist. I love her. But, you know, think, think about God's love. It's a million times more than our own. Sometimes we can be a lot like my little Stella. Some of us are narcissists. We just don't know it. Narcissists never know it, right? Some of us are too diva to step out into whatever, but we'll go right back to our mess and our sin and our failures and our junk, and we'll lick it up. Not sure if that's something to clap at, but... I track with you. <laughs> I appreciate it. You're like, we feel you. I think, right? Yes. <laughs> but like, I, I, you know, sometimes we go back to the Proverbs in the Bible say, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool returns to his foolishness. And if I'm honest with you, I've been a fool plenty of times in my life. And I've returned to my foolishness sometimes again and again and again. But my point isn't that. My point is that God actually loves us even though we keep going back to the mess. God loves us not because we got our life together or because we came to church. God loves us anyway. God loves us in spite of. God loves us even though we go through all kinds of junk in our life. And Jesus challenges us to simply remain in the amazing love of God. Look, we're, we're talking about walking in the way of love. You can't really love others until you experience love yourself. You can't really share the love of God with others until first you experience the love of God in your own life. It's not about you feeling like you just got to do better. First, you got to sit back and just experience God's love for you. And then that changes you. John chapter 15, beginning in verse 9. Look at what uh, Jesus says. He says, I've loved you even, uh, I, I have, this isn't his prayer. This is when he's talking to his disciples. He says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. And then what? Remain. You see that? Remain in me. He doesn't say earn, earn my love. He doesn't say achieve my love. He doesn't say go try to be better people to get my love. He's, you already have it. He says, remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Now, Jesus is connecting a lot here. He's connecting love with obedience with joy. Love, obedience, and joy. Now, I don't know about you. Sometimes I can get triggered by that word obey. Because if you're like a type A kind of overachiever person with failures in your background like I am, then like... Your kind of driving question, mine is often like, am I worthy? So when I see the word obey, I immediately go to like, I'm not doing enough. I need to do more. I got to read the Bible more. I got to pray more. I got to be more loving. I got to give more. I got to serve more. I got to do more. And I, I want to get on the performance treadmill. I want to like show God how much I love him because look at me perform, you know? And 
This, I think, is something a lot of us can get kind of pulled into. And then you look at, like, what does it mean to love and to obey God's commandments? Maybe you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 if you want to understand love. This is like the wedding verse, but it's this amazing definition of, like, like what love is. That, that is a very annoying gap on that screen right now, isn't it? Can I just call that out one more time? I'm very sorry for that. We're going to get that fixed. Anyway, okay. Here's what it says. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no records of being wronged. It does not rejoice with injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. That's awesome. Now let me ask you, have you ever tried to actually live this way? Because that's hard. I mean, you think about it like love is patient and kind. I'm like, I was patient and kind until I left the house. You know, love isn't jealous, boastful, or proud, or rude. I I wasn't any of those things until I opened up social media. Hello. It does not demand its own way. Well, you know, that's all great until you get out in traffic. And I'm telling you, this one Mercedes would not let me in. The lane was closing. I had to move over. They were not going to. And I remember I was finally like, listen, bro, you care more about your car than I care about my beater Honda. I will hit you. (laughs) Move over. Anyway, I get a little Mad Max, if you know what I'm saying, if I'm, especially on the 95. Anyway, doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no records of being wrong. Doesn't rejoice about injustice. Rejoices whenever. Love never gives up. Listen, I I gave up on the Cowboys years ago. Love never loses faith. I've lost a lot of faith. Love's always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. Look, it's easy to read this and go, that's amazing, but I can't reach that level of love in my own strength and power. I need, I need something to help me love others this way. I can't do that on my own. I'm just kind of a mess. What I really need is God's love. And when you think about it, 1 Corinthians 13, when I first read 1 Corinthians 13, the way I'm about to read it for you, it kind of blew my mind. I had never seen it this way. I had always seen love as this ideal that I could never fully reach. But when you think about the fact that the Bible says God is love, God is love. So what if you kind of went back through 1 Corinthians 13 and inserted God's name where you see the word love? Think about this. Let's go to this next slide. God is patient and kind with me. God is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude to me. He does not demand his own way from me. God is not irritable. He keeps no records of being wronged by me. God does not rejoice about my injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. God never gives up on me, never loses faith in me, is always hopeful for me, and endures through every circumstance with me. That shift Help me see this passage in a whole new way. Instead of being overwhelmed by all the things love is that I can't reach, it's like, well, those are descriptions of who God is, and all I really need to do is remain in God and his love, and then that will eventually flow out of me. Those are the things he is that can flow out of me. My job is remain in his love. 
A lot of you are here today, and you believe God loves. You kind of think it's his duty. It's like, oh, it's God's job. You know, like God loves people. You may think he loves the people on your row. You may think he loves your wife, your kids, the person you're sitting next to. But my question for you is, do you fully believe and have you internalized the fact that he loves you? I'll go further, that he likes you. He's not just putting up with you. He likes you. He sent Jesus to the cross for you that he loves you. Brenda Manning writes about this guy, Ed Farrell, who went to Ireland for his uncle's 80th birthday celebration. And he talks about how they got up on the, on the 80th birthday of his uncle early, and they were going to go for a walk on the lake. So they go out on the lake. His uncle's walking along in Ireland. And he says, as they're walking, his uncle, 80 years old, starts skipping along the lake. Da, 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 da. He said, they've been walking for like 20 minutes in silence, and then he just, run, he just starts skipping. And he just watches this continue on for a while and realizes, I'm on, I gotta run to catch up with him. So he runs up and catches up with him, and he goes, why are you so happy? He said, his uncle looks at him, there are tears coming down his face, and he says, because the father is so fond of me. Do you know the Father is fond of you? He loves you. And one day my prayer for all of us is that we can get to a place where we can acknowledge that. And it's not pride. It's not ego. It's said with humility. But it's said with, with tears in our eyes. The Father loves me. He's fond of me. Last night a guy came up to me and he referenced John chapter 15 part of the chapter that we're kind of looking at, 15, 16, 17. And he said, Judd, you know, one of the things Jesus says there that I've been thinking about for weeks is Jesus says, I don't call you servants to his disciples. He says, I call you friends. And this guy looked at me, tears in his eyes, and he goes, I am a friend of God. And I'm like, that's it. When you get that, you get everything. Everything else flows out of that. So much of the destructive stuff that we do in our lives results from the fact that deep down we don't really believe that. But when you start to grow into it, sometimes it takes years, you start to accept it more and more, and you finally get to a place where you believe God really loves you, likes you. The Father is fond of you. That's a game changer. Change how you live. It'll change how you love. So Jesus says, remain in my love, grow in it, experience it. Here's another thought, and that is to pass on God's love. Pass on God's love. Um, you know, I used to think when our kids were little that, man, when they, uh, when they grew up a little bit, things would get easier, right? You know, when you're changing diapers and you can't sleep through the night, some of you are there right now, and it's, it's crazy. And like, you're changing diapers, you're on your millionth diaper. You know, I remember like five years in of carrying a bag around on my shoulder and all the things, car seats. I'm like, man, when, it, you know, when they just get a little bit older, it, it's gonna get easier, right? It doesn't. That's a lie. No, I'm kidding. It's easier in one way, harder in others, right? I saw this on social media. It's interesting. This person says, last night our eldest teenager refused to go to an event we'd bought tickets for. It was exceptionally rude, so we left them at home and took the router instead. It had a great time. You want to mess with your kids, shut off the internet. 
Forget Hillary, that's the hurricane. You know, like, be like, the internet, I'm gonna die. So, John chapter 15, I don't, I don't know why I showed you that. John chapter 15, beginning of verse 16, because it's good. I don't know if that's love or not, but love shows up in lots of ways. All right, Jesus says this. This is my what? Command. You see that? This is my command. Here it is. Love each other. Jesus doesn't say, this is my command. Judge each other. This is my command. Be really good with money. This is my command. Do all these different things and do them perfectly. Jesus says, look, if you will love God and love each other, everything else will tend to fall into place. This is my command, he says. Love each other. I said it last week, what, what Jesus did for us is bigger than all the things that divide us. What he did for us can unite us, even in our culture that's so divided. And we as a church, we want to lead out with that love in other people's lives. In fact, um, Don Haglund years ago had this kind of breakdown for how churches operate. And um, I just want to share it with you because I think it'll help you understand how we're trying to love one another at Central. Um, said that like, Back in the 1950s, churches kind of had this framework, like, like first you have to behave, right? If you behave well enough, you wear the right clothes, you don't smoke, you don't cuss, you don't drink, right? You don't go to rated R movies, you don't dance, you don't gamble. Anyway. <laughs> if you behave well enough, well then, then you can come in, maybe you can then believe and not just believe the gospel of Jesus, you also have to believe all the other things that we believe, right? You behave well enough, you believe well enough, then eventually you can belong and be a part of the community, but it's conditional on your behavior and your belief. Like those things all gotta happen for you to be part of the tribe, right? <laughs> we just feel like when you look at Jesus' command, love each other, when you see the, the heart of God for people, that there's a better approach, and so, Kind of this is our approach at Central. We say like first, let's go to this next slide. First you belong. And I don't mean you belong to the universal church of Jesus Christ. The only way you experience that is through faith in Jesus. But I mean as a human being, no matter what you believe, no matter what you're into, no matter what's going on in your life, you can come and hang out and you belong as a human being. We're glad you're here. It's okay to not be okay. You don't have to have it all worked out. Just come hang out. And sometimes people hang out for months and sometimes they hang out for years. They don't share. I've talked to people, I mean, right now there are people listening to my voice that would, that would not say they're followers of Jesus. They don't know they believe any of this stuff, but they're searching, they're here. I talked to one family, they're like, oh yeah, we're, we're like kind of agnostic. We don't really know that you can know anything about God. I'm like, well, that's, why are you here? And they're like, well, we like the music. I'm like, okay, man, what different, you know. But I think they're here because they're searching. There's something pulling them. And I'm thrilled they're here. And there's no pressure for them to do anything except be here, right? Just belong. And then eventually, our prayer is that we would all come to a place where we believe, right? Instead of beating people up with what they shouldn't do, let's show them what God's love has done for us. And that is the most powerful, attractive thing, I think, for them in their life to realize what his love can do for them. 
So then they come to a place where they believe in Jesus and begin to follow him in their life. And then finally, they start to become all that God is calling them to become. But that's a long process. I want you to think about your life. When I became a follower of Jesus, y'all, I was a mess. I mean, it was messy. And it wasn't like, bam, everything's perfect now. It was like a couple steps forward, four steps back. You know, five steps forward, three steps back. I'm rocking it for two years. I'm not rocking it very much at all. You know, like, it was a journey. It was messy those early years. And then I think over time, God puts us back together and we forget that it's still messy for everybody else, just like it was once for us. It's easy to look at other people and think, man, you guys just need to get it together. Don't be a loser. Pull your life together. And the reality is what God did in our life took a long time. Why do we expect others to be on the same path we're on at the same speed, at the same rate? Listen, we need to look at others and be like, we celebrate every, every step you take. We celebrate the progress you make. We celebrate what God has done in your life. We want to encourage people to keep walking and keep following because it's only through believing and then eventually becoming through what God's spirit does in our life, through us receiving his love and living it out that we become fully transformed. And I'm still on that journey, and we all are. That's the church that we're trying to become to pass on God's love. Let me say a quick word because some of you weren't here uh, last week or the week before. And uh, if you weren't, one simple thing that you can do to help us pass on God's love is if you typically come to church at 10 o'clock or noon on Sunday morning, and that's the only time you can come to church, then great. Keep coming 10, 10 and noon. Awesome. But if you can, if you're able, I need more people that will join me at Saturday night, 5 p.m. at our, I mean, it's slamming right now. It's an amazing experience, but we got plenty of seats. Here's the thing about coming on Saturday. Parking's not really an issue. You drop your kids off, no problem. There's barely even a line for coffee. Come on, somebody. Like, you, you get in, you get out, but we're trying to move some people out of Sunday morning. Why? Because we know when guests come, when you invite friends, they're only, many of them are only gonna come on Sunday morning at 10 and noon. We want there to be plenty of room for those people. And as we move into the fall, we're going to need that more and more. So I want to encourage you, if you can, join me on Saturday night. Or some of you don't know this, every Sunday morning at 9 a.m., if you live on the other side of the Las Vegas Valley, at 9 a.m. at Faith Lutheran High School at our Summerlin location, I teach that experience live. It's just like this. And uh, I do that every Sunday morning, 9 a.m. Whoever teaches at Henderson Live is teaching there live at 9 a.m. So if you live closer to the Summerlin area or to the Faith Lutheran High School area, and you're like, we want to go on Sunday morning, but we're morning people, and you know, it's a far drive and all that. Hey, man, 9 a.m. We got plenty of seats over there, too. So come on, somebody. Help us out. All right. It wasn't, that wasn't a very, uh, that was better. Thank you. <laughs> no, but don't worry about it. If you, if Sunday morning is the time you can come, then come. I don't want you to feel bad. That's awesome. But if you can join us on Saturday or even Summerlin at nine, come join us. So that'd be awesome. But it's a way to pass on the faith to help others have plenty of room to experience God in their life. In fact, Jesus' statement before his prayer, he says, there's no greater love than this, that a person would lay down his life for his friends. 
And that's exactly what he did for us. He went to the cross and he gave his life so that we could have new life. While we were still sinners, the Bible says, Christ died for us. Listen, it says if God would, uh, would not spare his son, how much more will he graciously give us everything that we need? Listen, I believe the most powerful force in the world is not military might, it's not money, it's not scientific wisdom, it's not technical know-how, it's not physical beauty or health or popularity. The most powerful force in the world, in my opinion, is the unconditional love of God. It changes hearts and families and futures. It can't be stopped or withheld. It fills the earth. It covers sin. It covers our guilt. It turns the enemies of God into the children of God. And his love can literally transform our lives and our families. And so, friends, this week, I just I want to encourage you every day when you get up in the morning to remind yourself, because of what Jesus has done, I am loved by God. I am loved. And then pray this prayer, God, how can I love somebody today? I'm loved by God. So how out of that can I just love somebody today? Could be a neighbor, a friend, could be that guy in traffic not letting you in. Could be something simple, but God, how can I show your love to others? Maybe you're here today, maybe you've never crossed the line of faith in your life. I'd love to give you that opportunity. I want to ask all of you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you'd like to become a follower of Jesus, you can begin that journey by repeating this prayer after me to begin that, to open your heart. You can say it out loud or in your own heart and mind. Just say, dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face the challenges that I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you. In Christ's name. And friends, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's your prayer today, that's your commitment, I want to ask you to just slip your hand in the air. Just make eye contact with me. Just to say before God, to say to me, you're going to trust him. You're going to follow him in your life today. God bless you guys. Thank you. Hands going up around the room. Thank you guys. Bless you guys. Let's reach out to him today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys. Bless you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you guys. Thank you. Thank you. God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for each person just reaching out to you today. I pray you'll fill them with your kindness, your goodness, your peace, your joy. We thank you for the privilege of knowing you and serving you. God, we thank you for Jesus and all that he's done. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, hey, thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed this podcast, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe and review this podcast and connect with us on social media by following at Central Online. You can also contribute to what God is doing through Central. You can simply visit centralchurch.online slash give and you can give a gift today. And thanks again for joining us on the Central Church Podcast.